0: We're studying this afternoon Article 33 of the Belgic Confession, entitled, The Sacraments. We believe that our gracious God, taking account of our weakness and infirmities, has ordained the sacraments for us, thereby to seal unto us his promises and to be pledges of the goodwill and grace of God towards us, and also to nourish and strengthen our faith, which he has joined to the word of the gospel, the better to present to our senses both that which he declares to us by his word and that which he works inwardly in our hearts, thereby confirming in us the salvation which he imparts to us. For they are visible signs and seals of an inward and invisible thing, by means whereof God works in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore the signs are not empty or meaningless so as to deceive us, for Jesus Christ is the true object presented by them, without whom they would be of no moment. Moreover, we are satisfied with the number of sacraments which Christ our Lord has instituted, which are two only, namely the sacrament of baptism and the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, when we last met, about three weeks ago I think it was, we talked about the ordinances of the church, and really focused particularly on the ordinances which the Church herself establishes based on biblical principles, but which are not directly given to us in the Scriptures, things like the order of worship, how we will sing the Psalms, and things of that sort. We continue here in a certain sense with the whole subject of ordinances. Only here in Articles 33, 34, and 35 we have divine ordinances, not ordinances which the Church uh, makes based on scriptural principles but ordinances which God himself, through our Lord Jesus Christ, has given to his church, and to which, therefore, she must be subject. These are things which the church must do, and these are things which the church must do according to the rules that Christ himself gave us in the scriptures, or according to the pattern that Christ himself has shown us in the scriptures. There is quite a significant amount of material here in the confession about the sacraments. Uh, three articles, and the two articles on baptism and the Lord's Supper are long articles. And of course, the reason for the length of these Articles is the errors of the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church had so corrupted the practice and doctrine of the sacraments that our fathers at the time of the Reformation had to spend a lot of time teaching the proper scriptural doctrine about the sacraments, and therefore we have lengthy discussions of these. Sacraments, not only in the Belgian Confession, but also in the Heidelberg Catechism, and I think that the need for teaching with regard to the sacraments has not grown less in our own day. The errors of the Church of Rome continue. Rome has not changed her position on. These sacraments since the time of the Reformation has not repented of her false teaching and her corrupt practice, but new errors and new uh, abuses have arisen in our own time as well. I think, for example, if you would uh, take a poll of Protestants today, you would probably find that The majority of Protestants, perhaps a huge majority of Protestants, would take at best a Zwinglian view of the sacraments. That is, they would view the sacraments simply as signs and memorials. And our confession speaks against that error also. When it says, therefore, the signs are not empty or meaningless so as to deceive us. For Jesus Christ is the true object presented by them, without whom they would be of no moment. But we also find uh, abuse of the sacraments in the private use of the sacraments today. For example, you uh, observe the Lord's Supper being administered to the bride and groom at weddings. Or informal groups of Christians who are gathered together for discussion and perhaps for Bible study will um, uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper together, or what they call the Lord's Supper. And uh, baptism likewise. Those who are not ordained, not called of God to administer the sacraments and to preach the gospel will sometimes administer the sacrament of baptism And there are others who say that really the sacraments don't matter very much, we don't really have any great need of them, and therefore we don't have to pay much attention to them, or even perhaps use them in the church. So there are many errors also today, and therefore the doctrine of the sacraments is as important today as it was back at the time of the Reformation As we uh, look at these articles then on the sacraments in the Belgic Confession, we have first of all an article that deals with the sacraments in general, a rather short article which we're going to talk about tonight. Then we have an article on baptism and finally an article on the Lord's Supper, which God willing we will consider in the next two weeks. As we're looking at this article on the sacraments in general, there are two uh, main points, I think, that we want to talk about. First of all, we want to consider what the sacraments are. And secondly, we want to consider what the sacraments do. What the sacraments are and what they do. And in discussing what the sacraments are, I want to begin with the second paragraph of the article, where basically the Confession simply says there are only two sacraments. We are satisfied with the number of sacraments which Christ has instituted, which are two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Of course, the Roman Catholic Church added to these two sacraments two, five other sacraments, confirmation, ordination, marriage, extreme unction, and confession. And there are at least two of those so-called sacraments in the Roman Catholic teaching, which are very important ordinances of God. Marriage is something that God instituted at the very beginning of the history of the world when he created Eve from Adam's rib and brought her to him to be his wife. And ordination, that is, installation or ordination to office in the church is also something that the church has uh, to practice has practiced from the beginning of its history and has continued to practice until the present day. It's an important ordinance in the church. But our confessions do not talk about this, uh, these ordinances, as sacraments. And they do not talk about them as sacraments because of what the confession believes is the biblical uh, nature of sacraments and that nature of sacraments is this that they are first of all appointed by our Lord Jesus Christ himself during his earthly ministry and secondly that they are then given to his apostles so that they Can deliver them to the church. And this is why we speak of only two sacraments. We know that these are two ordinances which our Lord Jesus Christ gave to his apostles. He instituted the Lord's Supper on the eve of his death, when he was celebrating the last Passover with his disciples, with his apostles. And he took the cup and he took the bread and he uh, gave to his disciples to eat and to drink and he spoke of these things as being his, uh, the signs of his body and blood and his, uh, the covenant, the new covenant in his blood. He then gave these signs to the apostles and he gave them to the apostles not just as ordinary disciples, but as apostles. That is, so that they, as his messengers to the church, could uh, deliver those uh, ordinances to the church. Baptism, by the way, he instituted, of course, in Matthew 28, when he told his apostles, again, teach all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So he instituted these ordinances, he gave them to his apostles, and he gave them to his apostles so that they could uh, not only just administer them to the church, but pass them on to the church for the church's use in the times to come. Which is why, again, the apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night when he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, he goes on to describe this ceremony of the Lord's Supper. He says, and he doesn't say it just casually, but for good reason, I received it of the Lord, I delivered it to you. That's what the nature of a sacrament is, something instituted by the Lord, given to his apostles, delivered by the apostles to the church, and therefore for the church's use. Not for individual use, not either for uh, private groups of Christians who are casually meeting in Bible studies or whatever it may be, but for the use of his church. These are the only two ordinances that we find in the, Old, in the New Testament as being instituted by Christ in that manner. And that's why our confession speaks of two sacraments. The second thing which the confession says that we want to note is that a clause that begins in the fourth line of the article where it says, which he has joined to the word of the gospel. He has joined the sacraments to the word of the gospel. And you can see this also in the institution of the Lord's uh, of the sacraments, especially in the institution of baptism, when our Lord did not say to his disciples, Go out and baptize. It was not meant, baptism was not meant to stand alone. It was accompanied by, or it was an accompaniment of, rather, the preaching of the gospel. And Paul, in fact, emphasizes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 when he's talking about his own practice of baptism in the church at Corinth and says, I preached the gospel to you, that was my main task. I'm thankful that I did not administer baptism to very many of you. He did both together, and this was the practice of the apostles. They preached the gospel, and they administered the sacraments, beginning, of course, with the sacrament of baptism for the new converts and the children of new converts, and then carrying on with the institution of the Lord's Supper as well, as Paul clearly indicates in 1 Corinthians 11 and the reason I think is fairly obvious the reason that the Apostles uh, joined the sacraments to the preaching of the gospel is that these signs would be indeed empty and meaningless unless they were properly interpreted by the gospel. If you dissociate themselves from the gospel, there's nothing to them. Eating a little bread, drinking a little wine, being sprinkled with water have no significance apart from the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ has instituted them as signs, visible signs, of his word, of the gospel. So they are joined to the preaching of the gospel and properly take place in the context of the preaching of the gospel. This is why Reformed churches have always made a point of preaching the gospel and administering the sacraments together, not administering the sacraments independently of the preaching of the gospel. So they are not separate and independent, but directly connected to the preaching of the gospel. According to the command of Christ and the example of his apostles. So that's uh, the second thing that we want to understand. And that carries us on then to the third point here in this first part of our discussion, and that is that they are visible signs and seals of an inward and invisible thing. They are visible signs and seals of an inward and invisible thing. The invisible thing that the Confession is talking about there is, of course, the grace of salvation. That's the invisible thing, a thing that we cannot see. That's not tangible to our senses. We can see the effects of it in people's lives, but we cannot see what the Gospel actually does. It's an internal an invisible thing. Thus, for example, when uh, the sacraments uh, present to us the work of Christ, the grace of salvation, they present to us, on the one hand, our, the forgiveness of our sins, our justification in Christ. They display, and this is especially true, I think, of the Lord's Supper, though it's not absent from baptism, They display the shedding of the blood and the breaking of the body of Christ for our sins. That is the work of Christ done for us so that we may be righteous before him. And they display to us, and again especially the Lord's Supper displays to us our adoption as children. For we partake of these sacraments in the house of God, With our father and with our older brother and with all our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, that is, we partake of these sacraments in the household of God because we are children of God, adopted into his house and given by him that wonderful grace of being called sons and daughters of the living God. These are invisible things that the sacraments signify to us. But they signify them in a visible way. And the same is true of the work of Christ in us. Especially baptism signifies regeneration, new life in Christ. It is called, in fact, in Titus chapter 3, the washing of regeneration. It signifies, therefore, that we are made new in Christ, that we are born again, that we have been not only adopted into the family of Christ, but we have been begotten of the Father through the Son by the work of the Holy Spirit to be his children. And they signify our sanctification, washing in the blood of Christ, and the strengthening and nourishing of the life that regeneration gives. They even signify our glorification, especially the Lord's Supper. For as Jesus said to his disciples, he would not drink of that cup with them again until he drank of it new with them in the kingdom of heaven. And the Apostle Paul says In his uh, references to the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So we are also looking forward to our glorification. This visible sign then signifies all these invisible things, justification and adoption and regeneration and sanctification and glorification. That work of Christ which cannot be seen. They are... The visible word, as they have sometimes been called. Signs, visible signs of the inward and invisible grace of Christ, given to us by the Holy Spirit. As the Confession says, they present Christ to us. He is the true object presented by them. They point to Him. As our salvation, our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, our life, they set Christ and all his work visibly before us, and as I indicated in the beginning, many would probably stop there, but the confessions says that the sacraments are not only signs, but also seals. They are visible signs and seals of an inward and invisible thing. As we begin to talk about seals, we are making the transition then to what the sacraments do. They are seals. Now, first of all, this The confession derives this from Romans chapter 4, verse 11, where the Apostle Paul, speaking of circumcision, which baptism replaced, in this way he received, Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised. So they look at that Old Testament sign of circumcision and they say that was a seal as well as a sign. And they say that same truth can be transferred to the sacraments in the New Testament. They are visible signs and seals of the work of Christ. And when the confession speaks of them as the sacraments as seals, what It means is that they work like a seal in those days worked. The verification of a document. So if the king sent out a decree or sent a letter to another king in writing he would put his own seal on it and that seal would verify that it came from him that it was his writing that it was approved by him, that it was being sent by him, that what was in it was was what he wanted to be in it and not what others wanted to be in it. It was his word and the seal verified that it was his word. And this is, the um, scriptures say, the nature of the sacraments. God speaks to us in the preaching and then he seals what he has spoken with the sacraments. He puts on the sacraments his verification, on the gospel rather, his verification that this is his word. What is declared in the preaching of the gospel, he seals by the sacraments. He verifies the authenticity of his gospel. And he verifies it in this particular case by, in a sense, you could say, repeating it duplicating it, doing the same thing over again, saying the same thing over again, but not saying it with words, but saying it now with visible signs. And he intends then to verify for us, and that's the point that they confession is making here. He intends to verify for us the truth of the gospel. He says to us by the sacraments, you have heard my word proclaimed. Now understand that it is indeed I who have spoken. I put my seal on it. That's why it's so important to administer the sacraments according to the institution of Christ. You don't take the king's seal and mess with it and change it in order to um, make it better, in order to add something additional to it. If you start to change it, if you start to mess with it, It's no longer the seal of the king. You have to do it according to the ordinance of the king, therefore. And so these signs, then, as the Confession says, are not empty or meaningless so as to deceive us. But they present Christ to us. He's the true object. Without whom they would be of no moment. And the sacraments, therefore, call on us to respond to them in the same way that the gospel calls on us to respond to it. They call on us to respond to that presentation of Christ with faith. To receive the sign, therefore, In the same way that we receive the gospel. We receive the gospel for our salvation. And we receive the sign by faith for our salvation. They are means of grace. They are saving means of grace for us. Not bare signs. Not simple memorials. They are memorials. But more than that. They are also seals, confirmations of the gospel itself. Now, there's a difference between the preaching of the gospel and the sacraments, which we recognize, of course. The preaching of the gospel has the power to create faith. But the sacraments address existing faith. They are not intended by God to create faith. That comes by the word. But they strengthen faith. They confirm faith already in existence. That's why in the scriptures they are administered to believers. And in the case of baptism to believers and their seed. As part of the promise of God. So they are given us. The Confession says, for our weakness and infirmity, we believe that our gracious God, taking account of our weakness and infirmities, has ordained the sacraments for us. He addresses the weakness of our faith in the sacraments. And he feeds and nourishes that faith to help us believe more faithfully and to live more obediently. And this is really what the the confession is saying Then, in all the statements it makes. There are a whole series of statements it makes about these sacraments. It says, for example, that they are to seal his promises. The sacraments are to seal his promises. We haven't really talked about that idea of promise in connection with the sacraments, but our Lord Jesus Christ certainly did talk about the promise in connection with Uh, The Lord's Supper, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And this is the promise of baptism. I will be your God and the God of your children after you. These are the promises that are spoken. God speaks these promises. He sets these promises before us in a visible form, addressing not just our hearing, but our sight and our taste and our touch even. He sets those promises before us in these visible signs and seals. And we receive those sacraments by faith as visible promises of God. We receive them because God is saying to us in them, here is what I will give you. This is my promise to you. We receive that promise. By faith, the confession says they're pledges of His goodwill and grace. God says, as it were, in the sacraments, "I'm no longer angry with you, but I'm filled with goodwill towards you. I do not come to you to judge and to destroy, but to declare my favor, and my love, and my salvation." And we believe. What he says in these sacraments. And thus our faith is nourished and strengthened. And he confirms us in the salvation he has imparted to us. To put it very briefly, we speak of them as means of grace. Means by which God gives grace to his people. But he does not give it automatically in the mere participation in the sacraments. He gives it as the sacraments are received by faith. And therefore they are secondary again to the preaching of the gospel and joined to the preaching. So these sacraments are wonderful gifts of God to us. We should not despise them. We should not think of them as relatively unimportant. We should not say of them that they are unnecessary. We should instead use them. Use them joyfully. Because we understand that in and through them, God feeds and nourishes our souls to everlasting life. He gives us the grace of his salvation, the invisible grace of his salvation by these visible means. And exactly because God uses them in that way, we must use them also carefully, not just joyfully, but carefully, according to the ordinance of Christ, with respect because they are holy things, divine ordinances given to us by our gracious God. May God bless you with his word.